Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. This week, I chat with my friend Lucy, who I met on my South America experience that was cut short by bloody coronavirus. We talk about how she went from working in banking for 10 years to shifting completely and moving into yoga and healing work. She's actually currently in the transition and that's why I really wanted to talk to her today because I know a lot of us are experiencing a working transition or a shift in the work we're doing and I think Lucy's story really talks to that and although she's not at the end of her journey, that's the point of this whole podcast is about the process and that things take time and it's okay to be worried and nervous about the change that is happening. This is a bit of a longer episode, but I hope that you will stick through it because Lucy's story is fantastic. So this is episode 28 of the podcast, What Happens When Your Work Becomes Your Identity. The Millennial, The Millennial Me. This is The Millennial Crisis by Demi Kotsouris, Wi-Fi not included. Thank you so much, Lucy, for coming on to the Millennial Crisis podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. This is like the biggest pleasure ever. Your name, age, and what you do. My name is Lucy Pottergill. I am 31 years old. And what do I do? At the moment, I am like fun employed and transitioning into a new life. I find that question quite challenging at the moment, actually, because I don't really know. But exciting. It fits really well into what this podcast is all about. And I'm sure a lot of the community can relate to that because we're all in some kind of transition period, right? You went through a really interesting time with Corona because you were making the transition out of corporate into your new life. So I guess, do you want to start off with a bit of your background on what you did for work and where you're going now? (laughs) Yeah, so I so I graduated back in like 2011, which God feels like ages ago now. And I studied chemistry and was like the super nerd academic person and came out of uni. And to be honest, like in the UK, I feel like if you go to certain universities, there's just this sense of like you basically go into banking, accounting, law, consultancy. There's like a stream that everyone goes into. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Thought a little bit about doing chemistry stuff, but having nearly killed myself in a lab, I decided that probably wasn't a very good idea. So went kind of fell into banking, which sounds crazy, but I got a job through a friend of mine's cousin who needed someone that spoke French really urgently for like a temp thing. And I started working in banking with her. Um, and then I was planning to do it as a temp thing. I was like, I'll do it for three months and then I'll leave. And then 10 years later... <laughs> with like various pauses at points I was still in it so it was never really a conscious decision to do banking and like I moved around in different jobs I was doing like client service stuff and then I quit so I was like I don't want to do this anymore it didn't feel right but kind of got pulled back in by the salary to be honest and then moved into sales and then I moved banks so I was like maybe if I do banks it'll be better And all the way through, there was like this little voice that was like, this isn't right, this isn't right. And I felt like I was on this fast track to death, basically, (laughs) but not really enjoying what I was doing and not feeling stimulated by it at all. But having this like crazy salary and this crazy lifestyle and being able to do whatever the hell I wanted, but 
I just got to a point where I was like, I just can't do this anymore. So yeah, to your point, I, I mean, having had 10 years of knowing it wasn't right, deciding to leave after the trip in South America and left in the middle of a pandemic. So yeah, I'm in the process of kind of transitioning out of that world now. But despite the craziness of the world, I have never been more excited or felt like more alive, which I think is testament to it being a right choice. It's crazy that you, throughout that 10 year period, you knew that it wasn't right or it never felt right, but you would still continuously get dragged in. And now it's probably the worst time in a lot of our minds for like us to make excuses for ourselves to say, can I actually leave now? Should I leave now? But you've still committed to that. And that just shows how right this must feel for you. I would be lying if I was saying like I had no fear at all. Like there was a period, so I handed in my resignation before we all got put into lockdown and stuff. And then everyone went into lockdown and inevitably like there is like societal fear that drives everything that we do. And through COVID, it was, I don't know what it was like in Australia, but in London, it was like prolific. Um, And I got to this stage of being, I was really scared. Like I had a huge amount of fear and I was like, maybe I can backtrack. And my boss kept talking to me about the person who was going to hire. And I was like, oh my God, need to reverse, need to reverse. But I think I realized through that that it wasn't my fear it was like everyone else's fear that was being put onto me um, and kind of tried to work through that over a period of a few weeks and now it's interesting because I saw my old team last week and I just was like god I'm so glad that I'm not like I love them as people they're great people but I'm so glad that I'm not in that world anymore you were in the definition of corporate world in London oh in the hustle and bustle and I remember you had mentioned a lot about feel and the vibe in London, the commute. And I see it a lot on places like LinkedIn or other people that I speak to that it's just this kind of, everyone seems kind of dead. They're just trugging along, you know? So do you think you could explain a little bit of that for those who might not understand what that's like? Yeah, of course. I think like London is obviously a great city in the same way that lots of cities are, but it does, it's like a kind of built this brand of like a financial hub and like a hub of like hustlers um and the other thing that doesn't help with London is that because it's such a like massive city people's commutes are quite long so I used to to give you a sense of like what my day used to be like so I started work really early so I was in the office by like seven which now seems insane because I literally can't get out of bed before (laughs) every day. But yeah, so I was in the office at seven and at the time I was living like massively in my sympathetic nervous system. So in the like fight or flight, like go, go, go. So somehow I used to manage to wake up at 5am every day, do some exercise, go to work, be there at seven. And then I'd work until like 6.30 every day so it was like an 11 and a half hour day there's a real culture and I don't know if this I can't speak for the whole of London but definitely in financial services to eat your lunch at your desk so you'd go out quickly um, and get lunch and then eat your desk I also worked in Canary Wharf which is like the self-contained mini city that was built especially for people to work so it has everything that you need to basically never leave Um, and I actually went there last week and was like oh my god this place is crazy it's like high-rise tower blocks that you all work in and then there's an underground shopping center so you literally don't have to go outside like in the winter there would be days where I didn't go outside because you could go directly from our underground system into the offices it's like so yeah I'd work until like 6 30 and then if I had client stuff I'd go out with clients or 
like go and see friends and then be home by like nine often not have dinner go to bed wake up at five so the years just like sped by basically and there was also this real sense of like you were, we had to be going somewhere I was like where when's your next promotion like what are you working towards like it, I felt like I was on a treadmill of mm. just like the next thing the next thing the next thing and I used to I remember so clearly like there were periods where I'd be like just about to fall asleep you know when you're in that stage of like half asleep half awake and I'd suddenly have these like <gasps> like panics of like I have to make all these decisions in my life because otherwise I'm just going to be in this forever. I felt so trapped, but I couldn't escape because my whole sense of self was like, I'm this high flyer. It's now when I look back to that headspace, I'm like, Oh my God, like how on earth I coped for that long. And I see it in so many other people that are still doing it. And it like just breaks my heart. Where do you think the sense of fulfillment comes? Like, where do you think that in that kind of hustle culture, do you think, or is it like the, what's that saying? Where it's like, you are the equation of the five people you surround yourself with. So if you're surrounded constantly in that bubble, then you are just leveling up essentially like, I guess you'd ask the question like, for what? I guess there's like, there are two parts of it. One of them is definitely social. So there's like, I think it's been proven that basically we don't see our happiness in absolute. So you see it in comparison forms. So especially when it comes to finances. So if you're surrounded by a lot of people that earn a lot of money, it's really hard to be content with what you have, even if it's been proven by having many thousands of people that money doesn't make you happy. Mm. So there's, if you surround yourself by loads of people that have lots, you get into this like hedonistic cycle of like, I need more money because they've got more money. So that's quite hard to break out from why I ended up in the in the first place comes down and this is going to be different for everybody but for me I had like seriously low self-esteem so I think I my whole like sense of self and personality and everything came down to like my academic ability Mm. so like I'd failed as an exam which is like a whole long story which I'm happy to go into if you're interested but I failed an exam when I was 11 which then had like quite big repercussions for how my like senior school life went on. And I think I really internalized that failure and felt like I was a failure as a human. So then spent the best part of like 20 years kind of trying to prove that I wasn't a failure. And in that sense, it came out in like academic achievement. So like always doing really well in exam. Honest in London, it sounds crazy I don't know whether this is just in my mind like the working in investment banking was kind of like the pinnacle because it felt like I had a label of like I work in investment banking therefore I am a success and I'm clever when inside me feel like empty (laughs) externally I felt this sense of fulfillment that maybe other people might think that I was smart because I had this label Mm -hmm. Um, and that was what drove me that was actually what I realized in friends like I don't get why you don't just quit you don't enjoy it but it was unwinding an entire identity like and this identity that I'd built for myself around s in life being achievement financially and working in like prestigious industries and basically working myself to death um to prove something to people so it was all wrapped in like sense of self which I think is often missed in when you're looking at changing jobs and stuff that it's like so many people just say okay you can just shift well 
you can't actually because it's much more complicated than that there's so much psychology behind like why you do what you do the decisions we make all of those types of things that needs a bit of work before for me anyway before I could make that shift it's so funny when you started telling that story in particular the part about your exam there were so Mm. many stories and people that came into my mind that kind of fall not necessarily in the financial industry but in different industries or even success stories of entrepreneurs I remember writing a blog once about like I'm waiting for that time in my life where I hit rock bottom or something happens like in all of those crazy successful people that literally work 24 7 there's always a moment in their life where they like someone calls them dumb want to do that because for me like it's like I don't like why like what 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 are you chasing what are you chasing and I think if you're finding that happiness or fulfillment just in being you or inside I think I guess that's where the difference like when you put it in that way I was just like oh my god that makes so much sense oh my god and when I came back from South America I saw so many people and this gets into more of the kind of like psycho spiritual world that had like real inner child problems so there's this, like there's some there's like a, a it's like a psychological part of your brain that is linked to your childhood experience so if you have an experience as a child especially between the ages of three and seven that you kind of have built this idea that maybe you're not smart enough or you're not good enough that's come from something completely random you then spend a lot of your life trying to prove something because you have this internal belief um for various reasons I kind of thought I was a bit stupid culminating in failing that exam and I really really spent so much time trying to prove to everyone that I was smart mm. and like the way that I get the most triggered still now in conversations if I feel like someone thinks that I'm stupid I can feel this like sudden panic like coming over um because of like childhood experiences and in understanding that shifted everything I was like this isn't me it's just something that's happened in my past that I need to work through knowing what you know now and if you had known that let's say five years ago and you were to try to combine the things that you learned and I guess both personalities into the workplace would you be able to do it in a banking environment like do you think you could combine like you could set boundaries around the workplace or you could have approached work in a different way maybe included some of that like empathetic side of meetings or working um or do you think it's just because of the environment and the collab just wouldn't be a thing i think you i think you definitely can i think it's hard because to the point you made earlier like when you're surrounded by lots of people in a certain way it takes a lot to like go again act differently Mm. um but i think if you've done a lot of work on yourself and you've really looked into like why you behave the way you do and what types of triggers make you act in certain ways i do think it's possible to shift your mentality and it's interesting because i was speaking to a guy who's actually quite senior at one of my clients when i was in banking and he was like super into spirituality and meditation and all that stuff and i was talking to him as i was leaving And he said to me, he was like, once you get to a stage of being like fully content with your stuff and having done all of the practices and like meditation things, he was like, you can do it in banking. You just have to maybe accept that you won't be, you probably won't rise to the top, Mm. but if you can accept that you can be there and be content with where you are and be content with the people around you, 
you can quite happily do it because your happiness comes from you internally it's not externally driven but for me I don't think I was I definitely needed a break to be able to do that and I also felt like I just had more to offer to the world than... and the other thing that's really interesting is because Canary Wharf is like this big shopping center basically you're just surrounded by consumerism so it's like you leave the office it's like what is there to do buy stuff so you just spend all your time like buying things crazy and in terms of the money I yeah I mean I definitely did I, I feel incredibly grateful for having had that period working in that industry because it's put me in a position now where I have the freedom to have some time off and to like work out what I want to do and also for the entire of my 20s I based no financial concerns which was is a massive thing for anyone in their 20s so I have to be grateful for that I can't like be super resentful for my time there because I learned so much and it put me in that position but the thing with money which I found really interesting was that I got to a point of like through a stage of like buying really expensive I'm gonna do is this will make me happy like I'll start only buying clothes from like Maj and Cezanne and all those French brands that are probably way too expensive but it, and when the stuff arrived I felt empty like completely empty and I was like oh my god like this stuff is just not making me happy at like at all and the happiest that I had ever been was in like the most simple things and none of it came from any of this like material stuff that I thought would make me happy and I've just finished the Yale wellbeing course online and it's free if anybody's interested in doing it on Coursera and there's this whole thing around how with if you're buying things they just become normal so they're like totally normalized and are over like a week you'll just become used to it being there and then all the happiness that you thought you'd get from it disappears so basically buying things is never gonna make you happy which it took me 10 years to realize but I got there eventually crazy but we live in a society that like is driven by people buying stuff and making people think that they'll be happy if they buy the next xyz and we're like bombarded by it all the time considering all that you've said now you're in or transitioning into the polar opposite (laughs) industry right you're into a place where I'm sure a lot of people you worked with or a lot of people that you surrounded yourself with would be so confused at what it is or, you know, think it's woo woo or all of those words that, that we, that come thrown around with, with all of this stuff. Let's dive into how you started to make the transition out of corporate. And when you started to have the realization that like, oh maybe there is more to life than just being a hamster in a wheel so it all started with I've got a really amazing yoga studio that's near my flat in London so I started going to this yoga studio basically in like very like I must be good at things way trying to become really good at yoga so like I wanted to be able to do handstands and splits and stuff Um, and I started going to these classes and I became like I don't know, I just started to really enjoy it and I found that my headspace was so much better afterwards, but I was 100% into it for like non-philosophical, non-psycho-spiritual like stuff. I was like, I just want to be really fit and have a yoga pod. And then I started going on retreats because I was in this stage of life where I don't know whether you've come to this point as well, but like lots of my friends were going on holidays with boyfriends and like I didn't really have that many people to go away with. 
So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just start going on yoga retreats. And there was this one retreat that I went on, which was completely weird. Like the woman that was running it was like a bit crazy. Like the whole thing was not at all how it was advertised, but it was the most incredible experience because basically I got there the teacher was amazing there was a woman that was there that was a psychologist just by chance she was like a guest that was there and the woman that was running it as much as she was a little bit mad she had done a lot of work on like trauma stuff so like the trauma that we all hold in our bodies and trauma I have to say like that word is massively divisive and when I first heard the word trauma I was like are you talking about me like being run over by a bus like like being shot at or something but it's literally, it can be the tiniest thing. Like being lost in a supermarket as a child is a traumatic event for a child and that imprints in your body. So I was at this retreat with these women and one day we were sat talking and I was in this place of like feeling, I, I just knew that something wasn't right in my life. And I'd been feeling like I needed to find a man, like maybe getting married or being in a relationship would fix it. But like something was off. And there was one day that I was sat talking to these two ladies, the lady that was running it and the psychologist, and they were kind of helping me like map out my life and like where, you know, when you do that circle of like how much time you're spending on different areas of your life, so how much on family and friends and stuff. And in that, I realized that I was basically spending all my time on work. Um, and then they started talking to me. I can't remember how the conversation evolved, but we were talking about like schooling and like all this stuff to do with how I was brought up. And I started talking about boarding school. Um, so when I mentioned earlier about failing this exam, so I failed an exam to go to the school which my sister went to, which was like a day school near my parents' house. And because I failed that exam, there weren't very many other good day schools near my parents' house. So they sent me to a boarding school, which was completely fair, just decision, like very good school, perfect. I don't know, I made a, a kind of story around that I'd failed and therefore been sent away from home. And that was like, a, for me as a child, quite a traumatic event, but I had no idea that this was a thing. So we were there talking about boarding school and I just started crying. I was like, why am I crying? This is really weird. So the lady started saying, she was like, I think you might have some kind of like abandonment stuff on boarding school. So she was like, let's do this trauma release session. And I was like, what the hell is this woman talking about? So she took me over to like a chair next to the swimming pool or something. And she started doing this thing called tapping on me, which I had never really heard of, but she basically sit there, close your eyes, go into a kind of meditative state. So she was talking to me and saying like, breathe in, breathe out, think about X, Y, Z. And then she started kind of like leading me through parts, like imagining myself as a child, like imagining myself, like when the traumatic event happened, like when I failed the exam and stuff and she was tapping on my body. So she was like using her hands to like lightly tap in places on my body. And, I don't know what happened in this session, but I was sobbing. Like, you know when you're crying, but it's not even like I couldn't breathe crying. It was just like tears were just streaming out of my eyes for literally two hours. And I came out of that and I was like, what the hell just happened? I felt like a completely different person, like this weight had like lifted off me that I'd been carrying around for however long. Um, and then after that, I basically was like, oh my God, there is like so much that all these people are carrying around with them. We had no idea. So I became more and more interested in yoga. And after that, I was like, had this epiphany that I was like, I have to do my teacher training. So did my teacher training the following year. 
which then through yoga teacher training you do a lot of self-development work so trying to understand your drivers and like the whole theory of yoga is basically to come back to what they call your true self or your soul or your spirit or whatever you believe that to be the the part of you that is like alive without you thinking so if you think about when you're thinking in your head all the time the part of you that's there when like in between the thoughts coming to that you basically strip away all the shit so all the conditioning and come back to that center point and if you can come back to that center you get all these amazing ideas and freedom and so through yoga teacher training i then was like right i just need to get out of my job clearly but still had a lot of fear i was like oh i don't really know i'm not sure then the, the trip in south america came about so it just like popped up on my instagram actually on the way to another yoga retreat the following year and then decided to do the trip to South America. And I actually took a sabbatical. So I didn't quit straight away because for me, that was too scary um, to make the choice to just leave. So I actually had the awkward conversation with my boss, which in itself was like terrifying. I know, Demi, you've talked a lot about this, like just talking to your boss about something that you want. I was convinced that I was literally going to be marched out of the building for asking this. Like no one ever takes sabbatical in banking, ever. So there I was and I took him up for this coffee and I just said like, look, I'm really, I'd really want to do this trip. Like I'm feeling a bit lost. Like I need to have some time out within like 24 hours. It was signed off and done. I had so many people coming to me being like, how the hell did you manage this? Like this never happens in banking. What the hell? And it just proved to me like, just ask, just ask. You literally have nothing to lose in asking. And if you don't ask, you're just going to sit there being miserable. And I probably would have ended up quitting anyway. And then that wouldn't have been a particularly positive experience for my boss anyway. So, yeah, I did this sabbatical and then came back. And through the time in South America, had this hugely spiritual experience in various places and tons of like self-development things and got more and more interested in all this trauma work. Came back to work and was like, I can't do this anymore. So then resigned. But actually... I was worried about coming back and resigning straight away. In hindsight, it was like the most perfect way to leave. And I think I left on like the most positive terms. So like all of the people that I've worked with have basically been like, we really hope you succeed in whatever you want to do. But if it doesn't work out, like you've got a job here, so just come back. So I had this like massive fear about taking this step and suddenly being like left out cold, like no idea what I'm going to do. And actually you realize like, if you've built relationships with people, they're going to help you. So even if it doesn't work out, you've got people that will back you to find something else. The teacher that I've been working with recently has this saying that you, there's this terror of like jumping off a cliff and then you find in jumping off the cliff, there's a feather bed underneath. Like it's all fine. Mm. Everything is fine. I had so much fear it was totally unwarranted. I mean, the whole story of how it all happened is insane. Meant to be, it kind of was, I guess, or like how yoga really essentially transformed your life, even though you didn't go into it for like you went into it looking for like the fist bow, you know, the <laughs> I went into it being like, I'm gonna be the girl that like can do all these crazy things. <laughs> I still can't do a handstand, I still can't do the splits. <laughs> But I just, it's completely, yeah, all of that world. And I can't, I just feel so strongly that there are so many people that need this stuff in their lives. But to the point you made earlier, like 
it's got such bad branding like it's split between being like super woo woo really hippie like stop shaving your legs and go and live in the cold and like fitspo to your point like these like basically glam models that are doing yoga poses on instagram it's like it's not really about that um and it's just about finding like peace in yourself and yeah but like trusting that the world is and your life is unfolding as it's meant to and that you'll be pulled in different directions and like following the flow of life rather than feeling like you're pushing against like a really heavy door to continue to keep like grinding on with life sometimes I think if you feel like you're grinding you're probably pushing against something that doesn't want to be pushed and there are like easier ways of moving forward with your life how has that transition been with everyone around you essentially workaholic your whole life revolves around work into transitioning into doing these spiritual practices and really focusing on yourself so I think it was quite a slow transition and it started so after I had the realization in this on this retreat when I did the tapping thing I then came back to the UK and did because I was still in like corporate brain went to a psychologist and did this thing called EMDR which is like a a kind of societally acceptable trauma therapy I'd say so it's like in the UK it's signed off by the health service and all that stuff so I was working through a lot of stuff in that so that whole period was very challenging because it brings up a lot of stuff so it brings up in any trauma therapy you do so now I do way more breathwork trauma therapy but when I was doing the more psychologist based one it's kind of similar so it digs out in a very like kind and compassionate way some of the things that maybe you're holding on to which are driving your life so for me it was this like fear of abandonment fear of rejection which was coming up all over the place so like in dating and work all that kind of stuff so unpicking it all was really challenging because it basically meant I went through a period of really resenting my parents and feeling like somehow like it was their fault and I had this I was I will never forget it It was the day before my 30th birthday I had an enormous breakdown like sobbing like because all of the stuff was like right coming up to the surface and then one thing my mum said to me and I just like completely broke down um and I then told my parents everything because I hadn't really been telling them about all the work I've been doing and that was really challenging because I could see that I was hurting them especially my mom um and I could also see this fear in them that I was maybe somehow broken because I think societally, like a lot of that, it's not really acceptable to dig up your past unless, and people kind of think there's maybe something wrong with you or like, yeah, that you're somehow broken. But the reality is like, unless you look into those things, you're going to be driven by the tiniest things that have happened in your childhood forever. They've happened to everyone. So the whole theory is like, basically we are born prematurely as a species because our brains are too big. So like if we were if we were actually in the womb to term, we wouldn't be able to like leave the birth canal because we our heads would be too big. So we've evolved to a point where we're born too early. And 
because of that our brains aren't fully evolved so we can't actually process a lot of the stuff that's going on around us which means that we're so easily we're like super susceptible to any kind of emotional wounding which literally happens to everybody so that was the process i had to go through with my parents to try to help them understand that it wasn't them it was like this is just everybody has this stuff but i've just become drawn to working with it um, and i found so much freedom in it and over a space of probably a few months i came to a point of like i'd moved away from the resentment piece and feeling much more compassion for them because they literally were just doing everything that they thought was right for me at the time but i had to move through that and work with stuff to kind of figure that out for myself and it's still challenging i still find it difficult especially with parents and with my family my sister's been great and she's super involved and like interested but I get resistance to talking to some of my family about this stuff because I think they're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> when in myself, I'm like, this is all so real and it's so true and it's changed my life. But talking to them is sometimes difficult. Um, but I think the most challenging, if I'm honest, is with certain friendships because my, I have feel like I've literally flipped on my head over the last year and the things that I'm interested in and like how I spend my time and what I want to talk about has completely changed. So I cannot spend an hour talking about like the latest trends in Celebville. I don't know, like things that I now find they feel like so surface level, mm. which I know for a lot of people is completely fine and they feel happy talking about that stuff, but I can't do that anymore, which has been hard. So I've had to have some conversations with friends about how I spend time with them, whether I do group things. I've stopped drinking as much because drinking was like a way of kind of escaping and like finding like fun in life. And I don't feel like I really need that as much anymore, which has also been really triggering for people because in the UK, there's a massive drinking culture. Unless you're like going out boozing, you're they're like, why? Why would yeah. you not? That's great. Um, so that's been really hard. But I also have this huge trust that people come into your life once you start like evolving yourself people that are more aligned with you start coming into your life and also some of my friends from my past have also become interested in this stuff and like are really accepting of it and the ones that aren't will fall away naturally but having I guess it's that whole thing of attachment like a lot of us have this thing of like we have to stay friends with the same people forever because they've known us since we're a child unless we're friends forever we'll somehow lose ourselves or not be okay friendships come and go and like people come and go but I found the most amazingly deep connections with people that I've met over the last year I don't think that the depth of a friendship comes down to the length of it it just comes down to like whether you're at the same points in your life and can meet each other as deeply as you want to be met so now I look for like sincere deep connection with people which I think in the past I was more focused on like superficial let's have fun friendships um, so it's definitely a transition it's, and it's challenging for everyone it's weird because like when when you like talk about all this stuff like alcohol there's so much drug culture and all of this kind of stuff like why are people wanting to steal fun so much you know why are they i think it's when you start to realize that, and i same as you like i don't drink as much as i used to but i still drink like yeah. i still go out with friends and like went out last thursday and had too much to drink like it's not at all to say that i will stop drinking forever 
but it's understanding your motive for drinking and like are you maybe and the same with everything like i eat too much chocolate sometimes i don't know there are loads of ways of basically numbing your emotions and most of those types of activities be them like they can be like health, healthy in inverted commas things like exercising or like becoming a bit obsessive about what you eat and those types of things they're all numbing activities and if you can work out what it is that you're trying to numb by doing it maybe you'll find that you don't need to do it so much and like there's nothing wrong with doing any of these things but it's just understanding why you're doing them and then you can have a better relationship with with whatever it is that you do so like enjoying a glass of wine or a cocktail or like having some cake or whatever it is but just understanding that sometimes for me I drank because I was going out with friends, maybe feeling a bit socially awkward, wanting really to be seen. So wanting to like feel heard and have a deep connection, but also knowing that I was a bit scared to fully talk about stuff. So I needed the social lubricant to like then be able to open myself and have deep conversations. So yeah, I think it's really just understanding what your motive is. And there's so like all of us as humans just want to be seen and to be heard. And when I realized that I was like, oh my God, like literally we're all just little children inside ourselves that just want someone to acknowledge us and to like listen and hold space (laughs) and once you get to that it's like wow okay I can have the most amazingly deep connections with people just by talking and being open with my thoughts and how I'm feeling yeah Yeah, for sure and I I think also like for people listening because we are so much like career focused in the podcast and and talking about like lifestyle progressions and stuff like all of this stuff comes intertwined. Like it helps in every aspect of your life, right? You'll have more confidence to be able to go for that thing. You'll be able to get that client because you see that thing that you know is in them that you know is in everyone and that, okay, we can approach this in a different way. So it's like by putting, although it seems so hard to put in this work in all of these different aspects of like ourselves, sounds crazy that you would be put off working on yourself you know that it's all worth it in the long term but because we're so used to this instant kind of way of living that everything happens at a snap of a finger the idea that it's an ongoing journey or that things take time why would I even bother well it does it does take time but there's such a joy in it and to your point like the freedom that I now feel knowing a bit more that like oh yeah okay so say for example um at work recently so I went to I had my boss my old boss's promotion drinks last week and he invited me to go and they it was the team plus the guy that had replaced me and I was like oh god feel like all this rejection stuff coming up like oh my god this other guy's gonna be better than me and then I realized okay that's old stuff it's old stuff it's okay like have compassion for it and be like kind of sit with it that's okay all emotions are okay and they come up feel them but kind of understand where maybe they're coming from and then you can move on you're not driven by these like unknown forces so when I was doing this breathwork training recently which so breathwork is like similar to the trauma work that I was doing talking about before they were telling us about like we basically live in our subconscious mind so like 95% of what we do is actually driven by our subconscious, which is terrifying. (laughs) So loads of the stuff in our subconscious, we obviously don't know about. 
um, but we're being driven by it. So it's like you're being driven by these forces that are within you. So why would you not be interested in trying to understand a bit more about yourself so you can maybe uncover those things and then decide if you do want to be driven by them or not? Like at the moment, you're being driven completely subconsciously by it. So you may as well do some self-work and be like, oh, this subconscious belief is great and is serving me really well. This subconscious belief about like not being good enough or being scared that I'll be left or that I'll somehow be rejected maybe is not quite so helpful in helping me evolve as a person and do the careers I want to do and make the life changes that I want to do. And I can maybe get rid of that self-limiting belief. I'm sure that everyone listening now is like thinking about patterns that come up in their life. Like you, there is every single person has something that reoccurs in their life in some way. And I'm sure all of that stuff, I don't know, you're the expert here. All of that stuff must come from that one thing and not accepting or changing or actively, you know, making something of that or fixing that. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. So all of the, like all of the stuff that we think and we believe we're creating in our lives. So if you believe, if you have a subconscious belief that you're like not worthy or that you'll be left or that you're not good enough, those patterns will continue to appear in your life until you heal whatever it is that is causing you to believe that. Mm -hmm. So for me, I had this like really deep belief that I would be left and that I'd be rejected and somehow it wasn't good enough and the place that it came up all the time was in dating mm. like every time it was like the same story over and over and over again and I was like I don't understand why this keeps happening like people keep rejecting me and like I keep being told that I'm a catch but then people keep rejecting me and it came from this belief of like you will be rejected you're not good enough um and there are really interesting ways of looking into it and this actually I feel like I'm preempting your challenge thing because my challenge was kind of related to this. When you use the word trauma and you said in the beginning that we all assume that this is this big event that's happened to us, something that's happened, you think like the first initial thought is okay like psychotherapy, let's go see a therapist, let's go see a counsellor. That is the extent of mental health wellness that Mm. I guess is slowly beginning to be spoken about a lot and accepted a lot more but I know that you have spoken to me about the difference in psychotherapy and some of the work that you've done in different areas and how I guess I guess they can and I'm sure it comes down to the individual as well but I'd like to hear I guess about the other options people have and even though they might seem a bit more out there it might be more comfortable for particular people because I guess initially there's not a lot of talking that happens it's a lot of feeling with this stuff. yeah 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 yeah. and I mean I so I started on the really traditional route so I did a lot of therapy so I had like CBT the cognitive behavioral therapy for a while and then I did EMDR which was the trauma therapy with a psychotherapist and I do, I don't get me wrong, there is a huge need for psychologists and people to go to therapy and to have talking therapy. Um, I think that they can be really well supplemented by some of the body work. Um, and for me, I found, so when I first went to CBT, that was the first thing that like really shifted some of my, my mental patterns. So realizing that I was like, oh God, I'm actually not very nice to myself in my head. Maybe let's try and shift some of this stuff. So that was really helpful. EMDR was also helpful. But what I found with it was that 
when you're talking about things for me personally I sometimes knew what the therapist was wanting me to talk about and wanting me to dig into but I just didn't want to talk about it so I just stopped and also like the actual like human communication is really challenging so like between what I feel like I want to express then like coming through my prism of what I believe I can express how safe I feel with a person all that type of stuff then layered on top of that like language so I do have the right words to express how you're feeling to actually get your point across is really hard mm. um so what I've found with some of the body work is like you don't it's not about your brain it's really about your body and it sounds crazy so I was like but all this stuff is in your brain like how can your body be involved um but there's so much work to say especially with trauma that trauma is stored in like your body so in like the fascia that covers the muscles so the fascia is like you think about when you have a chicken breast and there's that weird like kind of stringy stuff you know what I mean when it's like that covers all of our muscles and often you can find that trauma gets stored in them so there's a theory that the reason that it gets stored there is because when if you look at animals like if you see a lion chasing an impala and the impala gets away it will tremble because it's been under trauma Mm. whereas humans if they've had a traumatic experience don't really tend to tremble unless it's something really really severe so that energy of like trembling doesn't get released so because it doesn't get released in like physics you know that thing like energy can't be created or destroyed it can only be transferred from one form to another it gets stored so that energy gets stored somewhere in your body so in your fascia in your muscles in your cells um so it's all in you and through body work so through like reiki or through breath work or there are tons of other somatic type therapies you can release that energy um and it comes out in various ways so it can come out as like tears or laughter or like trembling or whatever um to just express that energy um and that in itself can express the like trauma or the wound inside you and kind of free you from it Mm. so i had like huge releases around like abandonment stuff and around rejection and it came out in like i had all of this anger that i didn't realize that i'd had that was kind of living within me but through this breathwork practice it all came out i was like but in a really safe space really honoring it like you're completely safe and your body will literally only ever show you what you're ready to see so over a period of a few months like more and more of this stuff started coming out and it just releases in a really natural way but with no story so for me it wasn't like i'm angry at like this specific person i'm angry at this guy for breaking up with me it was just pure anger and then once it's been released and fully expressed it's not driving you anymore because all those emotions live within you they're all there so if you have like deeply rooted sadness or grief or shame or anger they're all in your body and they're driving your decisions and but until they're fully expressed and fully like embodied they're going to be driving you and you can't fully live your life the way that you want to live your life and so i found body work to be hugely helpful because it allowed me to express things I, d- I don't think i ever would have been able to express that type of stuff in talking therapy wow i i don't know if i would be so understanding of all of the stuff you're saying or or open to it if 
we hadn't had the experience in Peru where we yeah. did a breathwork session and I was like, what the fuck is happening to me right now? All I'm doing is breathing and yeah. all of this weird shit is happening and then reading the science behind it. And the crazy part is that it's all that, like all of a lot of the stuff, majority of the stuff is all backed up and there is research to say, like, yeah, this happens and this is this. And, I, and like we said, because it's so branded so poorly sorry well, it's this whole thing, like you can't people are like but you're just breathing like mm-hmm. i don't understand I've, I've told people that i'm doing breathwork training and they're like you're just breathing like how i don't understand why you're going through the, all these like emotional like stressful periods but it's it's just the most incredible work i can't express like how grateful i am to have gone through it all because i'm like oh my god all this stuff has come out um, and all it is, I feel like I should kind of explain a bit more about what breathwork is rather than just like, just sit breathing, but you effectively lie for like this, the modality that I do, it's probably about an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half. And you're breathing really, really deeply. So you're breathing like through your nose, out of the mouth, like with no pause. So constantly breathing. And in doing that work of like oxygenating your system, that works on like multiple levels. So the first level is obviously physical. So like fully filling your body your body with oxygen is really good for your system anyway and then it kind of takes you into this like altered state of consciousness so you kind of go into I mean in less like scientific speak the first time I did it I was like I felt like I was kind of in a trance like I wasn't really in the world but I was in the world and then through doing that you basically allow you're in this like super relaxed kind of trance state and then because you're so relaxed your subconscious becomes like awake i guess um and the stuff that's inside you starts to reveal itself so you can start to feel like emotions coming up or like memories coming up or all those types of things just through breathing it is honestly the most powerful thing i think i've ever experienced the first time i did it i was like what to your point i was the same i was like what the hell is happening like my body's tingling and my hands have become like claws Um, but then the more you do it the more it's like jesus christ this is insane honestly it's so crazy and i feel like i could talk to you about this all day because i just think it's like so interesting like i'm just touching a little bit of a surface level and i'm just like what the hell you know so i can't imagine what it's been like for you the past year of this progression and really fully diving deep and making that transition from like we said one completely different world i know it's mad and i honestly i think it comes down to like if you really listen to the like quiet voice inside you not the one that's like don't, don't do this or like shouting at you and telling you your shit like the really quiet one that kind of points you in directions it will lead you to the right place if you trust it like i had that voice was telling me that voice has been telling me since i was like a child that i needed to do something to do with it started with like health stuff so i was really into like healthy eating and like all that kind of like food as medicine. I was into that when I was like 13 before it became like a thing, but I never listened to it because I was like, that's not a legitimate career. I have to go and be really successful because I have to prove something to the world. Um, and then slowly but surely it just became louder and louder of like, maybe you should go that direction, go that direction. Um, the same with the South America trip. Like it wasn't a logical decision. It wasn't like a, yeah, this is a great plan. Like quit your like 
have a many figure salary to go and like swan around South America, but it just felt right. And I felt like excited and spacious and like life was exciting. Whereas I spent 10 years of life wasn't that exciting. And life can be so exciting if you just listen to that little voice. It'll tell you the right thing to do. We're getting towards the end now. I have three questions that I ask all of my guests and then we'll jump into the challenge. First question I have for you is what was the first small step you took to get to where you are now? The first small step, I think, to do something for just myself. So like going on the first retreat I went on on my own and I was really scared because I was like, oh, I don't want to do this on my own. And like, is it really sad that I'm going away on my own? Like I'm 26 and I should be cool and have a boyfriend and go away with friends and stuff. But doing that, I think there's a huge power that comes with the space of being on your own and allowing yourself to make connections with new people. So I would say that because that opened me up to so much. And I don't think I would have got into those conversations if I'd been with a friend at the time. I love that. The next question is, what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? My millennial crisis right now is I'm going to Croatia tomorrow. I feel a little bit stressed by my packing and I don't know how many pairs of shoes I can fit into my rucksack. I love that. And I also hate you for that because while <laughs> I'm stuck in lockdown, you are gallivanting across the country because... Europe is kind of free-ish. <laughs> well, I might, get, I might get stranded in Croatia, so we will see. <laughs> oh, there could be worse places for you to be stranded in. <laughs> true, true. And then the final question I have for you is, what is one thing that you are still curious about or want to explore? Oh, my God, one thing. I oh know. I was just thinking that as I said it. I was like, she's going to want to say so many. Oh, God, one thing. I'm like, so I'm reading this book at the moment called The Body Keeps the Score, which is written by a psychotherapist. So if there's anybody listening that's like, this all sounds a bit crazy, read The Body Keeps the Score because it's written by a legit like scientist. And it goes into so much about this stuff about trauma being stored in the body and like the how it actually works in terms of like, he's done so much research on like war veterans and all those types of people. And I'm so interested to go more in depth into that to understand the mechanisms a bit better um so i'd say that like really trying to get to the bottom of all this body stuff i love that and hearing you say like all of this stuff that you're learning it would be impossible for you to go and work anywhere else because you see how i guess powerful these tool are, tools are and how little people know about them it's almost like how could anything else compare i know i honestly think you can't go back like once yeah. you've had this you literally can't go back and i like to your point around like what types of things am i interested in learning about and stuff i do think there's so much work to be done in terms of translating this work yeah. into something that is accessible for people and that is what i feel increasingly is probably going to be what i want to do because i just don't think that it is for so many people it's like what the hell are you talking about and i found so much freedom in it so i really feel like the more we can make it accessible to people the more freedom people will have and i mean it has so many knock-on effects that i could go on for hours so i won't but i just think it would have a huge impact on the world i love it you've got a challenge for everyone 
Do you want to put everyone at ease? (laughs) No, honestly, this is like, and like go at it with like a sense of fun about it too. So like, it doesn't need to end like true Demi language. It's not that deep. Like it doesn't need to be that deep. So just get a piece of like paper or like a journal or whatever you have and set an alarm on your phone for like for two days, three times a day. And just for one minute, those three times, write down everything that you're thinking. And don't think about what you're writing down, just write down what you're thinking. Um, So to give you like an example, I did this exercise a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to understand a bit more about like, if our thoughts create our reality, which they do, you kind of need to know what your thoughts are to be able to change your reality, right? So I was like, here I am, I do meditation, my thoughts are all going to be good. I started this exercise and I had like five pages of me being like, I shouldn't have had that matcha. Why did I eat that? I'm hungry. Why didn't I exercise today? I'm quite tired. Am I doing the right thing with my life? Like, where am I going? You're such a failure. I really want a cookie. Don't eat the cookie. Like, it was crazy. (laughs) And I did it with a friend of mine and hers were similar. So I just think there is so much power in literally it's three minutes a day for two days just to see where your thoughts are at. And as I said, like come at it with fun. So like if you can look back at your thoughts and be like, geez, that is crazy. Like if I had a friend that was telling me that stuff all the time, I would not be friends with that person. So like you don't need to listen to that voice. That voice is like just there to antagonize you. Apparently like 80 to 90% of our thoughts are not self-serving so they're like mean to us and there is so much power in just like writing them down and then being like god that is not particularly helpful is it like my brain's telling me this stuff all day (laughs) imagine if you could change those thoughts into something more helpful like the power that would have wild i'm excited to do that i'm also a little scared to see what i am (laughs) thinking and i don't know what it is but it seems really fun i'm so glad that i had you on to show notes as usual besides that if you want to join our millennial conversations where we unpack some of the topics discussed in each podcast episode I would love to have you it's a community of like-minded millennials and the more people I get the more I am able to segment you off into smaller groups where you- <laughs>